when I told my careers advisor that I wanted to study agriculture, I was told I was too smart to study agriculture. So that that kind of that didn't put me off um, pursuing a career, but you know, I guess really sparked a desire to help shape conversations and show that that wasn't the case. G'day and welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. It's episode six, which is our final episode as part of this collaboration with the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria, as we've been celebrating the Royal Melbourne show online. We haven't quite had the 450,000 people through the gates this year, but nonetheless, it's been amazing to play our little part in bringing together the community to celebrate the country coming to the city. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and today I'm sitting down with Dr. Joanna Newton. Joe has an incredibly impressive resume that this year grew with the Medal of the Order of Australia for her contributions to agriculture through her work in advocacy and support of young people, volunteering and her contribution to dairy science. Despite growing up in Metro Melbourne, it was an opportunity to get involved with agriculture at Joe's school, Tintern Grammar, that instilled a love and desire for the industry. She headed off to the University of New England in Armidale, where a chance meeting with a farmer at a formal dinner led her to completing her work experience. She began implementing data recording measures for him, for his merino flock, and it's blossomed into an incredible friendship. Joe has accomplished so much already in her career. At the age of 16, she was not deterred by being told she was too smart for agriculture. And I'll tell you what, we're bloody lucky she didn't go anywhere else. I hope you enjoy this chat. Joe, welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast with the Royal Melbourne Show. It's awesome to have you here. Thanks very much for having me on, Ollie. Just wanting to check in. How have you been getting on lately? You're obviously based in Melbourne, so it's been a bit of a challenging year, but how have you found it? I feel really fortunate that I have a job that I can do most of it from home. So I've been able to keep working throughout the pandemic, which has been a really great distraction. Um, and, you know, it's a tough time for the hospitality industry as well. But if you're a foodie in Melbourne, there's been some fantastic innovations that have enabled myself and my mum to eat our way through lockdown. Yeah, lovely. Have you jumped into some of these? I think there's been a few three and five course meals that you get the packs and the kits at home or what have you been jumping into there? Yes, we've certainly done a couple of those. It was mum's birthday the other week, so did a four-course Italian dinner for her. Uh, we've also done, we added it up, five um, cheese and wine tastings over Zoom, um, which has given me an amazing insight into how diverse our dairy producers are in Australia. We've had buffalo, goat, and sheep, and cow's milk cheeses. Yeah, wow. Does one of them, like, stand out in terms of flavour or just, I suppose, yeah, your thoughts of it? The one that probably surprised me the most was having a buffalo blue cheese. Interesting. It came from Berries Creek in South Australia. Um, So that was quite quite special and I was already a big fan of a sheep milk 
um, cheese producer called Brom Country Cheese, which is based here in Victoria. Yeah, wow. There you go. Do you reckon you would have ever tried the buffalo cheeses unless you were forced to, in, well, forced to kind of explore it? I'm, I'm a big fan of blue cheese, um, but it's not, it's, yeah, it's not something that I would have perhaps ordered for myself or chosen to go out and purchase. Yeah, right. There you go. Interesting. That's, um, that's cool. I have to go check them out. And so jumping into today's podcast, obviously we're, we're really lucky this year that um, although we can't attend some things in, in person, like you're saying, some businesses and organisations get incredibly innovative. And one of them is the Royal Melbourne Show and the celebration of the show online. But starting off for you, how did agriculture come about? Because you did, which many people may not know, like growing up in Melbourne, there are a plethora of opportunities in agriculture. So how did it come about for you? For me, if it wasn't for agricultural shows, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. I went to Tintern Grammar, which is in the suburbs of Melbourne, and it was the opportunity to go to some of the local agricultural shows with our school sheep um, and occasionally chickens and cows. Um, that really gave me that um, insight into agriculture as a career pathway and fostered a, a, a love and interest in supporting the agricultural industry. Yeah. Yeah. And so like at school, was it, did you just stumble across it as a subject? Did, did you guys do like an introduction to, to agriculture or something or how did that come about? So my school had an on-campus farm out in the suburbs of Ringwood. So we had compulsory subjects in the first couple of years of high school but there was also the lunchtime young farmers program so anyone that was interested could spend their lunch times at the farm and then it was that group of students the young farmers that would also spend the weekends taking animals to local shows yeah interesting and is that something like was it was there many people that were jumping in and being involved in those young farmers programs at lunchtime i think it it you know it would come and go throughout the year, walking up and down the big hill to the farm is less attractive when it's raining and cold in winter and much more exciting when there's new lambs running around on the farm. And um, I know that now, like I still, whenever I go to an egg show, try and find the Tintern, Tintern banners in the sheep shed and go and say hi to my old egg teacher and the farm manager and, you know, they, they frequently need two minibuses not to, to bring all the students with them to the shows. So I think, you know, it's such a fantastic opportunity for young people that, you know, don't have a direct connection to agriculture because they've come from the land or grown up in rural and regional Australia to have that opportunity to get exposure to even just a small part of the industry while at school is really powerful. And so for you, was were there other career choices as you were going through school that you thought, oh, maybe I want to do this or that, or were you, did you, were you kind of fixated on agriculture? I was reasonably confident that it was going to be something science and animal-based. And for quite a while, I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. But after I did a couple of lots of work experience, at vets in year nine and 10, I kind of went, oh, I think I've watched enough 
cats being spayed to keep me keep me going for a while um, and started to consider like more broader options. Um, and your time spent out in Western Vic and family friends, sheep and cropping property really um, helped cement the idea that studying agriculture could be a really nice fit for me. And it was those family friends that actually told me about the University of New England and recommended it as somewhere I should go and have a look at. Yeah, right. And so you pack up your stuff, finish school in, in Melbourne and head off to Armidale, which I reckon would probably have a worse winter than, than Melbourne, wouldn't it? It is absolutely freezing. Yes, it would be below zero most mornings in winter when you're heading up, like defrosting the car to get up to uni or, you know, um, doing placement in shearing sheds and it's hopping around zero and you're trying to, to you know, class wool with numb fingers can be a little bit challenging. But, you know, moving to Armidale is honestly one of the best decisions I ever made to be surrounded by agricultural enterprises and have the opportunity to do 24 weeks of prac work as part of my degree and be exposed to the whole diversity of career pathways and options in agriculture really helped me work out where I wanted to be and made sure that I finished uni with some practical skills to complement the sort of more theory based stuff that you do in the classrooms and labs. Yeah, definitely. And so in terms of like trialing different jobs and whatnot. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank. And I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. Is there a, a job that you did while you're at uni, just you thought, oh, I'll just try it, that kind of stands out for you where you're like, it was an amazing experience or, or horrible as well? Um. I remember one holidays I did work experience. Well, I wanted to do work experience with a stock and station agent. So this is like 2009. So I sat there with the phone book and rang every stock and station agent in town until someone agreed to take me on for work experience. Um, nice. And that week of, yeah. And that week of work experience, there was a big wiener sale in the sale yards. So I spent a lot of the week helping draft cows. For that and it was one of my first times doing any cattle work um, lovely baptism by fire <laughs> and like amazing opportunity and so grateful that i was able to to learn more and understand um what a stock and station agent actually did but definitely ticked it off as saying yep that's not a path that i would consider for myself perhaps the um most influential work experience that I did 
was with Stanley Vale Marinos. Um, I met Tim, who's the owner of Stanley Vale, in my first year of uni. Um, I met him, I was living on campus, and I met Tim at one of the formal dinners, and he came up and introduced himself and said, it's fantastic, we, meet, we need more smart young things like you studying agriculture. And I was like, so could I maybe come and do work experience? Yeah. <laughs> um, but from that point, Tim really took me under his, his wing. So I did go out to Stanley Vale for work experience, but then I kept going back out and Tim would let me know when there was um, you know, workshops, events, field days, things that would be interested for me to go to and I get to tag along. And in, in time, I then had the opportunity to work with Tim in transferring all of his like RAM records from being paper-based to like a computer-based system and work out how to incorporate more of the more objective measurements like capturing live weights um, in the stud and, you know, using that information on farm. And so for me, that experience of seeing how everything that I was learning about genetics and breeding goals in the classroom, having the opportunity to talk about that with Tim and be given responsibility for looking after the data collection and data management for his study, I think is really where that my current sort of interest and passion in taking science from from the laboratories from the computers and looking at how it actually can add value and be benefit farming businesses came from yeah for sure it's a it's an amazing thing isn't it and like i'm i'll speak to agriculture because that's what i know but the people in industry if you're willing to show enthusiasm and curiosity like it goes so far with the opportunities that will be put before you um do you think like at the time you were teaching tim as well about this like around this whole transfer to the emerging technology world of data yeah we it's definitely something that we've had many conversations about um you know having known one another now for more than a decade who's taught who more <laughs> does it not not an argument as such but you'd have some pretty uh funny discussions around it yeah yeah i think we've um both shared our knowledge and wisdom in quite different areas with one another and it's um yeah been a really fantastic mentorship and friendship that i do treasure yeah, awesome. And so you were you're busy studying. You were helping out Tim at Stanley Stanley Vale Marinos as well. But then on top of that, your time at UNE, you actually set up a was it Farming Futures group as well? Can you can you tell me a bit more about that and kind of why it was necessary to set it up? Look, I think as I neared the end of my undergrad degree, I started having a few conversations with friends around this. It's like, well. You know, we've done all this work experience as part of our degree, um, but we're still not exactly sure what these career pathways look like and who wants to employ agricultural graduates. So the idea was to create a platform to showcase 
what um, you know graduates of UNE had gone on to do in agriculture and provide opportunities for um, students that were looking for graduate jobs and summer work experience opportunities to meet with um, agricultural organisations and businesses that could have those opportunities for them. So in the first year, it was like a sit down dinner for 70 people. And then the feedback we got was, you know, the organisation said we want more of a chance to talk to students and students said like we want more opportunities to to talk with businesses. So then over the next couple of years, the initiative grew and we added on a careers fair and a schools program. And when I stepped aside in after the 2013 event to let the next generation of students, you know, continue to build the events and put their own spin on things, you know, they've continued to grow and grow. And I think that's really special and, you know, credit to UNE for getting behind a group of students with an idea and supporting it. And UNE now has this whole like agricultural week that's built around the Farming Futures events, which I think is pretty... That's incredible. Pretty pretty cool to see, you know, when you consider that these events are still student run and organised by volunteers. Um, yeah, absolutely. Good on UNE, but also good on you for getting up and getting things moving because it wouldn't have happened otherwise. And, and so you finish uni and I'm just looking, well, I was looking at your CV as such earlier and 2018, I'm not sure how you really had time for anything else aside from the massive amount of awards that you received that year. So you received the Victorian Young Achiever Award. Um, you received the RASV or Royal Ag Society of Victoria Emerging Leader um, in Victorian Agriculture Award. And then on top of that, you also received the UNA Young Distinguished Alumni Award as well. That's uh, an incredible year. And, and it was all, yeah, what, what kind of what, what was the area, I suppose, that you were exemplifying leadership in? What, what was the passion area? I think what, what it was, it was not one particular area, Ollie. It was the fact that, you know, ever since I was 18, a big chunk of my spare time outside of work and study has been spent um, in leadership roles in volunteer organisations, advocating and supporting young people. Um, so it was the collective the collective effort that I'd made there alongside some of the exciting research that I'd had the opportunity to be a part of in my role at Agriculture Victoria. It's incredible. And obviously it's a showcase that th these things don't just happen overnight, but um, it, it opens up opportunities. And, and one of those was to head over to Ireland um, as part of work. So can you tell me a bit more about how that came about and what the the life in Ireland was like? Yeah. Um, so I was a recipient of a Endeavour postdoctoral fellowship. So they're the Australian government's internationally competitive scholarship program for early career researchers and students like within Australia to head overseas as a visiting scientist, but also for international researchers to come to Australia. And I had the opportunity to spend six months um, at, Chuggis in um, Fomoy in Ireland. And the reason that I wanted to go there was 
because of Chagas's reputation for having a really close relationship with the farmers that they were, you know, that are the end users and beneficiaries of the research. So I was really interested to head over there and un better understand what they were doing to, to foster these close relationships and also the genetics group there. It's quite a young, vibrant, dynamic research group and I was really keen to get some experience and insights from working um, in, a, in an organisation with a different structure and whatnot to what I'd experienced in Australia. Yeah, amazing. And does that come with it like its own little community of people that have gone all over the world? Do you get to stay in touch with other people who have received those awards? For, I, I understand for the students that come to Australia, that's often the case because you'll, you'll usually find there's multiple scholarship recipients at the one university. But in terms of going overseas, um, not so much where I've kept those you know, contacts and friendships is with the people that I was working with at Moorpark um, and also with the wider people in industry that I got to meet while I was over there. Um, yeah, so as you sort of mentioned briefly, I was the recipient or one of the recipients of the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria's Emerging Leaders in Agriculture Award, the ELVA Award. And the bursary that came with that was something that I put towards my time in Ireland. And what that enabled me to do was to spend some time um, out visiting farmers, attending workshops and conferences. And I was able to head to Edinburgh for the British Society of Animal Sciences annual conference and present some of my work there, which was an amazing opportunity to hear of all the research that's happening in Europe. And, you know, I remember sitting down for lunch at the conference one day with some other geneticists and I was like, these, these are the people that wrote the textbooks I studied from. Wow. In undergrad. So that was a really cool experience. Um, and I got to spend a couple of days um, out in the Roslyn Institute at the University of Edinburgh, meeting with the different research groups there, talking about what research they were doing, what I'd been doing, and give a guest seminar on, on my work, looking at the value of herd improvement in the dairy industry in Australia. And that was a pretty, a pretty amazing opportunity. And without the Elva Award from RASV, I wouldn't have been able to take up those additional opportunities alongside my time in Ireland. That's incredible. I was speaking, so Amy Bolton, so she's another one who's featuring on the on the series. And so she won um, the Youth Travel Opportunity uh, Award. And, and so she actually headed over to Texas. And then like her whole thing, which I've, I've just found it so fascinating talking to the various people involved with Raz V, like it's all about, yeah, going and doing self-development, but it's about what you can kind of bring back or give back. And there's a, there's a real sense of community about the people involved in it. So yeah, in terms of your involvement with uh, Royal Ag Society Victoria, was that kind of the, 
was that just the beginning of your involvement and relationship with them? Yeah, when I moved back to Melbourne in 2015, after spending eight years, nearly eight years up in Armadale, um, you know, in that time I'd been quite involved in like the Armadale show, volunteering and stewarding at the Sydney Royal um, and coming down most years to go to the Australian Sheep and Wool show in Bendigo, but I hadn't had much to do with the Melbourne show. So I got to spend a couple of years just going as a as a visitor as a member of the general public and seeing um seeing what happened there and it was great to be able to go to some of the youth and ag focused events and um like the agribusiness leaders luncheon and see a different side of the show um and then in 2018 after winning the alva award that there was then an opportunity to get more involved with the show itself so I got to go and steward down in the sheep section which was great fun um I'd done a lot of stewarding since leaving school but in merinos so for anyone that hasn't um seen merino judging and like um meat sheep judging they're quite different I was very grateful that I was not expected to help tip um rams weighing a 100 to 150 kilos like we do with the merinos so the judges can assess the belly wool but you know having the race set up to take to help the exhibitors walk the sheep up and down the race was a new experience for me and it was it was um a great a great experience and i was very warmly welcomed by all of the other stewards and exhibitors amazing and so on the the local shows, obviously they're, they're really important to the communities that are involved with them and each kind of area has their own different involvement. But like from your perspective, why is it that shows like the Armadale show or the, the Bendigo sheep and wool show, why is it that they're really important? I think there's a couple of reasons why they're important. One is because it provides that platform and opportunity for young people like me to get exposure to agriculture without the you know without the local show movement i wouldn't probably wouldn't be here so i think you know that opportunity for current students and if you look at a lot of local shows and even the royal shows there's lots of different engagement and education activities that are planned to help support those um really important conversations between you know our future our students and our future leaders with the agricultural community and I think the other part is it's just it's that opportunity for the the general public to ask questions and you know have those conversations about where their food and fiber comes from you know obviously not everyone that goes to the show does that some people go because they want to go on the rides or you know get the birdie beetle show bag entertainment <laughs> show bags and i think you know having a nice day out with your family and friends is you know still a really you know important thing to do and a nice way to spend the day but i think with so much of australia that's urbanized particularly the royal shows that bring agriculture into the city and provide that opportunity for two-way discussions um, 
is such an important, important role. Something I wanted to to ask you on, because obviously you've done so much work in with uh, the Picture You in Agriculture organisation. And so you have spent a lot of time talking to students in classrooms. So what is it around that, I'd say education piece, but really it's just growing, like it's growing the understanding piece of that. So yeah, what's kind of stood out to you as you've been doing that over the years? I think for me, what stood out has been what young people are capable of achieving. You know, we, through Picture You and Agriculture, our schools-based programs, the Archibald Prize and Creative Koalas, you know, give students the opportunity to look at the idea of sustainability through the lens of agriculture. And it brings together science, art, media, um, the, the artworks that these kids produce, the depth of understanding that they show on the blogs that they write about the program about their their findings from the program and when you go and visit them the questions that you're asked about your role as as for my in my case your you know your role as a scientist it just it blows me away what young people are capable of achieving and like so with with those programs like what what age are the students that you're mixing with as part of that so i over the years i've worked with primary and high school students mm-hmm. um so high school students year 7 to 12 so you know 12 13 to 18 and then our creative koalas program tends to work more with the upper primary students um and they're both project-based learning programs so they're linked to the key learning areas of the australian curriculum so it's an opportunity for students to build their general capabilities, like so their employability skills and for teachers, you know, the benefit of a project-based learning that then aligns with all of the cross-curriculum priorities, you know, it's a really powerful program for not just the conversations that we have about food and fibre production and sustainability, but the, the life skills that it equips students with as well, yeah, regardless, regardless of what career path they end up going down. Obviously, we'd like to hope that some of them consider agriculture. Yeah. And here you go, guys. Here's how you can get into it. Some of those artworks, like particularly the Archibald Prizes, are, man, they are so impressive. Incredible, the level of thinking. Were you ever part of that program or was that something that just wasn't available to you? It... It's something that wasn't available to me. You know, the the programs have been going for 10 10 years and I finished school more than 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so, like, on on the show's front, have you got any, given your background, have you got any wild ideas or anything like that when it comes to creating that engagement? While we've got people at, say, the Royal Melbourne show, is there areas that you think, oh, it'd be great to use this opportunity to do? I think that each of the royal shows around Australia is doing some really great things to um, engage young people in conversations about food and fibre production and sustainability. So I think 
that there's always an opportunity for the, the major royal shows to look at what each other is doing and see what ideas could potentially be implemented mm-hmm. in their show. Um, I think one of the fantastic things that the Sydney Royal does, for example, is they call it primary school preview day. And so primary school aged children have the opportunity to come to the show the day before it's open and they bring in a bunch of young people, including some of our young farming champions from Picture You and Agriculture, to have those discussions about food and fibre production and give kids the opportunity to, to have have a have a look around the show without all the crowds yeah as well and show some of the cool the cool technological advances and the massive um, pumpkins <laughs> yeah but then but then also you know we've had our young farming champions teaching kids how egg quality gets assessed you know identifying beneficial and um bad bugs in in um in crops and you know those those conversations where and opportunities for students to see young people with exciting jobs and opportunities in agriculture is super cool because you know you can't be what you can't see definitely and so one of those one of the things around you can't be what you can't see for you is really about promoting the opportunities for young women in agriculture so um it, it's obviously been fundamental to you getting the recognition but there's something like deeper than that it was it that the opportunities weren't laid out before you or, or what was it i think there's there's a couple of things you know for me personally when i told my careers advisor that i wanted to study agriculture i was told i was too smart to study agriculture um wow so that that kind of that didn't put me off um, pursuing a career, but you know, I guess really sparked a desire to help shape conversations and show that that wasn't the case. There's an opportunity for anyone in agriculture, and I guess then as I got a bit further in my career, you know, I work in genetics and I. I got to my third year of my undergrad before I met another livestock geneticist who was female. Wow. Yeah. And this person, um, her name is Dr. Sonia Dominic and she gave a guest lecture. And at the end of that guest lecture, she promoted CSIRO's summer internship program. So I applied and became her summer student and then her honors student and then her PhD student. And that mentorship, um, an opportunity to have a female role model to look up to in the same path that I was considering pursuing had such a big impact on me. And I think that, you know, as a city kid who fell in love with agriculture, moved to a town where I knew absolutely no one, um, the best way I can really say thank you to everyone who supported me and helped provide me with opportunities is to pay it forward so that the next generation can access even more opportunities than I have, which is, you know, why I'm so passionate about advocating for and supporting other young people in agriculture and particularly women because of that, you know, 
the National Farmers Federation has done all those studies showing that disparity in women in in leadership roles and positions of influence in the sector. There is so much good work happening that in another 10 years, those statistics are absolutely turned on their head. There's so many amazing women that are coming up through the ranks. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's such an exciting time to be in agriculture with all the different opportunities that are emerging. Um, and the more people at that table and the more diversity in thought and representation, the better we'll all be. Yeah, definitely. And so this year you were, uh, I'm going to ask, like you received the, the medal of the order of Australia. Was that, what was it like when you got the phone call or email or however you get notified? I was notified via email and then that it was a possibility. Um, and then I had to keep it quiet. You weren't allowed to tell anyone. And it was just a humbling and overwhelming experience to even be nominated because it's a 18 month to two year process. I now know from someone anonymously nominating you to them gathering all the referee reports. And, you know, I, I'd heard of the Order of Australia before, but I had this idea that it was something that people got like towards the end of their careers or after winning a gold medal at the Olympics. Yeah. Not, not something that someone like me would be given. So what I perceive as relatively early in my career and um, perhaps what was most humbling of all was when the awards were announced, you know, the messages of support and congratulations that I received from right across Australia, from the wider agricultural community. Like it just magnified all the feelings that I had tenfold and made me so thankful all over again that I'm part of such a nice community. Yeah, it's amazing. It's um, incredible. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Can I, like a question on that, when you get all these awards, like obviously a lot of the work you do is in the background with volunteer organisations and that. When you get so publicly acknowledged, does it, do you put extra pressure on yourself to do more, pay it forward more? Yeah, I think some, sometimes it does feel like there's an additional um, pressure or sense of responsibility when the work that you're doing is publicly recognised like this. But I also see it as a phenomenal opportunity. Like I'm sure you and I could easily sit down between us and come up with a list of 100 young people in agriculture that are doing amazing things. And so the the profile that comes with some of the recognition I've received is an opportunity to help shine a light on all the amazing work that other young people are doing and have those conversations around the fact that young people can like can be missing from today's decision-making tables and you know there's an amazing breadth and depth of talent and skills 
in young people that should be heard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And can I, so I've got a question which I've only just started asking people a few episodes ago, like on the weekly podcast, but it's around, and because you probably do this very often, um, but if you're talking about opportunities in agriculture to students in year 10 or 11 and why they should start to consider thinking about it, what would be your message to young people kind of in those real years after school of what agriculture could could provide to them? I think, I think my first message would be that it's okay to not know where you want to go. Um, you know, developing an understanding of like your why or what's important to you and what your values are can be a really helpful way for, for working out what the best path forward is for you. Um, and of course, when it comes to agriculture, my message is that, you know, we, we sometimes say that there's an A to Z. You can name a career in agriculture for every letter of the alphabet. So if you're, if you're not sure, consider having a look at agriculture because it's a really exciting, supportive sector with lots of opportunities for young people in it. Well, and I think like your career and everything that you're doing, have done, continue to do, um, particularly around promoting it to, to young people um, has been amazing. So in terms of um, the Royal Melbourne show and, and being able to celebrate it online, thank you so much for taking part in today's conversation and, and being part of our six-part series, which is really putting some faces and, and stories behind what is such an iconic event for Victoria and and is so important to continue. Thanks. Thanks very much for the opportunity, Ollie. It was a bit of a no-brainer to say yes to come onto your podcast. Um, I've listened to some of the episodes before and it's a fantastic initiative. And, you know, agricultural shows have had such a big influence on my life. So the opportunity to, to share a little bit about that and support RASV in celebrating the show online is something that I was pretty pretty keen to do. Joe has already achieved so much in such a short amount of time. I can't wait to see where her career goes and what impact she's going to have next. Now, sadly, that brings our series with the Royal Melbourne Show to a close. It's been an absolute pleasure to bring these stories to life over the last 11 days. Thank you to the whole team at the Royal Agricultural Society of Victoria, to our guests, Jason, Doug and Laurelly, Amy, Ray and Dion, Ed, and finally, Joe. I've loved finding out more about your incredible stories and your involvement in agriculture and the Royal Melbourne show. As always, look after yourselves. Stay safe and stay sane. And if you want to get back into a bit of a routine, we're back Wednesday morning, the 30th of September, with pig farmer and all-round good guy, Tim Kingmar. Chat to you then.